Hello there, little listeners. You're about to experience an episode of Super Ego, Forgotten Classics. A new season of which is now available on StitcherPremium.com. And what's more, an entirely brand new season of the regular Super Ego podcast itself will be available on Stitcher Premium on January 8th, 2020. Here now, before we begin the feature presentation, is a quick taste of Super Ego Season 6. Super Ego Season 6 is coming to you January 8th on Stitcher Premium. Season 6 means six new episodes of your favorite podcast from 2006. That's right, 666, The Devil's Podcast. Four brand new episodes and two never-before-heard live episodes. What's four plus two? It's six, you devil worshippers. Now, here's a taste. Well, then what is this? Yo, I had another grilled cheese in my purse, and I didn't know I had a grilled cheese in my purse. Do you want a tuna fish sandwich? I've got one in my purse. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, though. Is that a caftan you're wearing? Mr. Cabris, can I get a quick picture of your short shorts? Absolutely. Oh, oh by the way, open this duffel bag. Short shorts for everybody. Oh, ah. no knickers. Do well, I always wear underwear? On the Lena, f- free that Wiener. My name is Petey Amin, otherwise known as Big Chunky. But you're supposed to say it. Big Petey Chunky. Amin. But no, not that. The part of the card. I'm only five. I don't know how to read. Where's Orlando? I put him in the bus. (laughs) What bus, Brent? The school bus? Wouldn't you like to know? Is he going downtown or uptown? You can only pick one. Do you want to know how I got these scars? I'd love to know. Oh, gosh. No one's ever loved to know before. I believe you get your name because of how much you smoke, and you can't smoke out here, so... There's ways. Really? How? Well, both of us stored up a lot of it in the lugs before we traveled here. So I've been blowing it in his mouth a lot, and then he's been blowing it back in mine. Nature finds a way. She was America's greatest waitress until something went horribly wrong. <laughs> Marsha Mason, Lee Marvin, maybe they can untangle the puberty retraction. Super Ego Season 6. Listen now on Stitcher Premium or in six months on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do your thing. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com slash superego and use promo code SUPEREGO. Hello, and welcome to Super Ego Forgotten Classics, a bold interpretation of the great works of literature. So bold, in fact, nobody here even bothered to read them. For each episode, our players will not only improvise a famous work of fiction, but one with which they're not at all familiar. They'll be given only the book's title, its first and last lines, and the names of its characters. The rest is up to them. And now, episode one. Wuthering Heights, 
written in 18-something by Emily Bront. Chapter 1. An Open Door 1801. I have just returned from a visit to my landlord, the solitary neighbor that I shall be troubled with. Heathcliff! Heathcliff! Yes, that's my name. Don't wear it out, love. Have you thought of, I don't know, copywriting that catchphrase? It seems like it will have a future life. I can't imagine anyone would enjoy it quite as much as you do, my dear. But to my greater point, you've left half the Dutch door ajar. I'm afraid I'll catch my death of cold. The problem, my darling, is not in my leaving the Dutch door ajar, but in the Dutching door itself being faulty. This is what I've just been to see the landlord about. You have a problem with other races making doors and windows? No, no, no. My love, you misunderstand me. I'm afraid I do. It's not so much the problem that I have with the Dutch as I do have a problem with their doors. And more to the point, the door as I am paying for it as tenant of this landlord. I have begged him to fix it, so that we're not constantly barking our shins or falling over. But is not the problem with the very door itself and not the race? It's as if you're saying, I don't like Russian ballerinas or French kisses. And I know you like those, Heathcliff. But love of my loves, do you see here where it's not an actual Dutch door, but a regular door sawn in half at the middle? Yes, but do you see how I have am and always will be in love with semantics. I want to have rhetorical arguments, but I am not allowed, for I am a female in the Victorian age or so thereabout, and that is frowned upon. They think I should tie my hair in a matronly bun and push a pram down the bumpy cobblestones, jarring our child into some sort of brain-addled stillness. But I won't do it. I'll be a woman of science if it kills me, and it just might. Your love of semantics? as well as your non-traditional views on cobblestone streets and what should go bumping down them, is what first attracted to you, my dear Catherine. You know I lie awake at night, asking questions like, what's a vaccine and did I invent that? What could it be? What is a great disease like SARS and what does it stand for? Well, I don't know. Honey, I have the craziest ideas and if you would entertain my only one whim, we might find great fortune. Catherine was full of crazy ideas, and now she'd had another. I was about to ask her what it was. What's your crazy idea, Cathy? You went away for just a bit. I beg your pardon. Oh, oh. Your Dutch door has been left open, and I've sauntered through. That's partly the problem, I think. Edgar Linton, of course. I'm your new neighbor. Mr. Linton, Heathcliff, at your service. If you could keep your conversation to a low volume, my twin children, Nellie Dean and Lockwood are trying to sleep. I say, do you live nearby, Mr. Linwood, was it? Right next door, I say. Well, I thought the landlord was our solitary neighbor. I live on the other side of you, of course. Oh, I never thought to look over there. Yes, it's been vacant all these many years, but when my wife died in childbirth, I decided to take up residence here. Mr. Linton? Yes? The reason we've taken no notice of you is we're always staring to the west, looking for the sun to set on our dreams. I'm afraid we're, we're a bit of a pessimist... Heathcliff and I. Yes, together we're one pessimist. That's all anyone can afford these days, I suppose. (laughs) So true. But to that point, we had thought of a way that we might find great fortune. Oh, and I've said too much. As a woman, I'm only allowed, I don't know, an interjection every 120 words or so. I'm going to go into the small parlor and hide under a very dusty quilt. And excuse my manners, of course, I have 
bothered you with my troubles being a single father in this tenement. But as we are the source of your troubles this day, I do apologize, Mr. Linton. Pray, may we become friends? I believe we shall, young Heathcliff. Father. Oh, oh boy. Father, I heard you becoming friends with someone and it woke me. Lockwood. Yes. This is young Master Linton? How many times must I tell you, Lockwood? Do not enter the hallway in such a state of undress. I'm sorry, Father. I thought these stockings were enough. You can see my privates, I'm aware, but I also enjoy it. Heathcliff, I do apologize. The young man was naked as the day he was born, save for gaily colored stockings that came right up to the tips of his ankles. Drink me in, gentlemen. (laughs) I've just had my time under the quilt and oh my. Kathy, no! But I've never seen the likes of it at this stage. Let me turn so you can get the full view. There. Mr. Linton, I must protest. Without a woman in the house, how am I to tend to these children? Gentlemen, gentlemen, boundaries need to be pushed at all frontiers. What he's doing here is expressing himself in an organic and wildly entertaining way. How brave of you, Miss Catherine. What is your name, young lad? My name is Lockwood, miss. Master Lockwood, allow me to impart some great lesson I learned long ago. When one pushes boundaries, it's best to do it one king's inch at a time. Ma'am, I want to thank you, and I would like to become your mentor. (laughs) If that means below you. Of course it doesn't, Lockwood. Why have you never let me go to school, Father? We can't afford school. How many times must I tell you? Father! Father, where's everybody gone? Who is this? Why, you're just the button on the best coat. This is my sickly daughter, Nellie Dean. My name is Nellie Dean, Mum, if it please you. I am curtsying as best I can, but I'm all full of stiff little brittle bones. My, you've been inflicted with polio, am I wrong? What wisdom from a woman? Well, I've done it again. I've gone and said too much. But I do think I can help your children, if it be allowed. Well, I have business to attend to, and the children normally just sleep for 12 to 14 hours a day. I sleep a lot, and sometimes I get the sores. I can see that. Your face is a sort of, I don't know, constellation of pustules. I tried to keep it even on both sides. You're doing sporting work, Nellie Dean. Can you really help me, miss? And can I get to the point where I could be your boss, maybe? I don't know if that's the right word. Does it mean I would work for you? You've come in a little late and didn't hear me say it's all about inches and not miles. A king's inch? Mr. Linton? Yes? If you'll allow me, most Tuesdays I'm free for the kettle's been boiled and the rugs have been soundly scruffed. Tuesdays are the day that I, of course, polish stones. So you're saying what? If you would like to take the children on Tuesdays, I couldn't see a problem with it. Well then, let us. Let us take these children, both naked and sickly alike, and they shall be our charge all the Tuesday long. Heathcliff, do you mean it? Yes, Cathy, I do. If you can stand the sight of these children, then I suppose I can too. I know. The day that I stood on that stony altar in that cliffside church and said I wanted to be your very woman, that I would never be disappointed. Oh, to be transported back to that church again. <laughs> it's its altar of stone polished so highly. I say, Mr. Linton. Yes? Is there a chance that you were the stone polisher that polished our marital altar? At the church? <laughs> I likely polished those stones myself. So... Is it decided? On to Tuesday, then? On to Tuesday! My, my, an open door indeed. But doors can swing both ways. And don't I know something about that? 
It was 1989 in Key West. I had borrowed Pandolfo's mesh jumper and we frolicked in the waves. The warm afternoon rains came in and anointed our bodies, washing away all the impurities. You know what? I've said too much. Chapter 2. A Conversation Piece. Still 1801. It came to pass that we took the Linton children to the landlord to pay the rent. What else were we going to do? There was not a lot going on. I believe I hear someone at the door. Yes? Good day to you, Mr. Earnshaw. It is I, your tenant, Heathcliff. Of course I recognize you, Heathcliff. Thank you very much. I thought you'd forgotten me since Tuesday. It's impossible. I never forget my tenants. You see that embroidery on the wall? Oh, it's quite ornate. You see how it says, I usually never forget my tenants? Yes, so it does. That was a misprint. (laughs) It's a shame that... (laughs) At some point in the stitching process, it couldn't be pointed out to the stitcher. You know, once they get rolling, I hate to interrupt. Have you thought about not having that on display? I figure it's close enough to the mark. I might as well keep it. And it is a good conversation piece. It is beautiful work. And see, we are having a conversation. So you're right as rain there. You notice how there's no more awkwardness. No, everything's just flowing normally. That's right. Well done you, Mr. Earnshaw. May I take this moment to offer you a seat? Uh, Yes, I'd love to sit down, but uh, may I say, I do not come alone, Mr. Earnshaw. I have people in tow. Please, present them. Well, here is my good lady wife, Kathy. Mr. Earnshaw, having never trod the boards of your door jam and entered such a gracious home with an embroidery that invokes the Bayut tapestry as if someone had done it wrong. Thank you for having me in your home. I've had a little laudanum. I can't believe that I've never met such a glorious lady. Where have you been hiding this woman? Oh, in our home. I'm not allowed out. I'm a woman, you see. I wanted to shield the rest of the world from her beauty, lest mass suicides become the norm in our world. Oh, Cliff. Mr. Heathcliff, I know you to be an intelligent man, but now you've proven yourself super intelligent. I'll have to cancel that order for the embroidery that says, I'm an intelligent man, full stop. Because I personally find your wife to be very attractive. (gasps) Mr. Earnshaw, you have a silver tongue, don't you know? You know, I should have been looking out my window and spying over toward your house to the east of here and seeing if I could catch a glimpse of your beautiful lyrical silhouette. I'm afraid we have milky glass and the best you'd see is just that, a silhouette, no detail. You'd be surprised at how little fuel I need. Mr. Earnshaw, may I present to you our neighbor to the east? This is young master Lockwood Linton. Thank you, Heathcliff. And may I say what a pleasure it is to meet such an esteemed landlord person. Well, what a charming young man. And I say, he's only wearing one stocking. Can you explain? He's become even more free-spirited than we even first met when he was even so. Well, my hat's off to you. And one stocking as well. There is one final member of our merry band you have yet to meet. This is young Master Lockwood Linton's sister, the very sickly Nellie Dean. Hello, Mr. Landlord. Thank you for letting us have a roof over our heads so that the rain doesn't come in and wash us all away and make me ever more sickly than I already am. That was my arm breaking from talking too long. You know, there's a specialist in town who could cure you. I'm rather confident. Do you think he could make me into a little girl who could run and jump and play and read the book or blink without having to go through horrific pains? Let's not hope for too much during the first visit. 
I would love to meet him and hope that he would be kind to me and make me into a person who's not someone who's constantly in agony. Well, you've got a rather long list of demands. I just, mainly just the agony thing. I don't want to be in constant agony. I would even settle for some time agony. Heathcliff, can I speak to you a moment? Certainly, Kathy. Over here. Where'd you go? It's very dark in here. I'm in the broom void. Oh, Oh, yes, I see you now. For a moment I thought you were one of the brooms. No, no, no. I'm worried, you see. What is it, Kathy? I know just the man he's speaking of, and he's a bit of a quack. The specialist? A mountebank, if you will. A a harlequin? That's exactly right. And as you know, I've been staying up late nights, reading when you won't have a thing to do with me, and I've been practicing myself with medicine. And I believe I know of her ills and have ways to fix her and the boy in his artistic expression, but I can't get ahead because I'm a woman. Will you be my champion? Oh, what a world this is when some sort of fraud doctor, a shiver shins, should advance where a woman who truly cares about people cannot. Kathy, of course, I'll do all I can to help you. I do love you so. I love you. Sorry, sorry. I had a bit of a cold and I needed to have my nose wiped and I'm not able myself, you see. What a lovely broom void you have. Did you notice any brooms in there? Not a one. You see, it lives up to its name. Everything in this house, you'll find. Your sitting bench is quite nice, and your looking windows are to die for. This cupboard is literally a cup on a board. Come through this opening door over here, and I'll show you some more. (laughs) I must admire your ceiling, because I can see that Chinaman up there. His ceiling was in my ward for many years. He left under mysterious circumstances. To the ceiling? Yes. Landlord Ershaw, may I lie down on your floor for a little bit? I'm tired from breathing. You're so darling, of course you may. Please, use my tired from breathing rug. But, uh, please, Heathcliff, to the business at hand. I can't help but think you're here for some monetary reason. Well, yes, sir, you've caught me out. I came here to pay the rent. Also, to distract the children from their miserable lives. And, one final thing, to get to the bottom of this issue with the dutching door. You're the one with only the top part, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. You see, I bought one and installed the bottom part at one residence that I own and the top part at another residence I own. I can't remember who has which. Well, on the bottom part, it's just a board with a doorknob drawn on. That's right. We have a difficult time getting in and out of the house, you see. Well, what do you suggest? Some sort of repairs or replacement? I don't know what you're getting at. Either would be suitable to us if it's suitable to you. You know what? I'll think about it. I'll let you know via post within the fortnight. Well, you are the landlord and I am the tenant, and thus you have higher status than I, so I have no choice but to agree to your terms, sir. I don't know about you, but I don't think I trust that curious Mr. Earnshaw. But no time for dawdling. Let us fly. We take you now to the ramshackle offices of Dr. Joseph Mellencamp, town phrenologist. Chapter 3. A Cure and a Coffin. Afternoon. Pardon me, is this 18 Downing Street? Yes, my name's Joseph. Joseph, 
Are you the doctor? You see, I've been somewhat mandatorily obliged to bring these, well, sickly children to you, and... Who are these disgusting trifles? Well, that's not a bedside manner that is encouraging proper emotional growth. Please stand in the foyer. I don't want you getting inside and infecting the entire room. Please, Dr. Joseph. My name is Nellie Dean, and this is my brother Lockwood, and we're awfully sickly and need your help. Have you come for a cure or have you come for a coffin? My preference would be cure first. By the looks of it, you can't afford neither. Doctor, Lockwood here. He's hiding in the broom void. How impertinent. Pardon me, sir, but you look like a lover of the dance. May I present to you a dance that I've just learned? I wish you would. Come on, sis. You're helping with this one. I'll do it if it's the last act that I have upon this earth because the dancing takes its toll on my ankles. Let me remove this last stocking. There. (laughs) (laughs) Who were you just now? That was a combination of the two people I'm playing. (laughs) Lockwood, now you are as naked as you have ever been since birth. So now... Drink me in. Milady, a word with you. Certainly. After watching them dance, it appears to me there's no hope for these children. Surely that can't be the case. Why, I've just read a book where putting a post... <laughs> You've read a book, have you? Well, certainly I have. I'm a medical doctor. I think I know. Well, I know I haven't the degree... But a poultice lined with thyme and rosemary and a bit of a sanguine salve could certainly take the swelling down on her face. And why, he he's just a psychological bit of understanding away from leading a normal and expressive life. Please, don't trouble me anymore with these lost causes. Dr. Joseph, what kind of specialist are you? I specialize in leaving work early and having a pint. Hello, I've got a telegram for... You guys. (laughs) (laughs) You little kids. Are you Lockwood and Nellie Dean? I'm Nellie Dean, mister. And I am Lockwood, as you've mentioned. All right, that part's done. Listen, do you have words or shall I read it to you? Please read it to me because although I can read a little bit, sometimes the motion of my eyes going back and forth over a page causes my brain to bleed. That's one. I need a quorum. You? (laughs) I would prefer that you read it to her and I'll listen. What about you? Rock candy boobs. Uh, Go ahead. And you, Nobby? Sorry, I was drinking. That's a yes. From the telegraph offices of Glinesfield, Nyberg, and Torvdalesdale. Oh, they're good. This will be great. <clears throat> Stop. It begins with stop. <laughs> Begin. Mr. Edgar Linton has fallen from his death at a stone-polishing tournament in South Essex. He is not expected to recover. Stop. He does. He died. He's dead. Well... That is sad news about our daddy. I hope you don't expect a tip. Here, here's the Kopak. Listen, children, gather round. Lockwood, Nellie Dean. You're such sweet souls. I won't let you go unloved. You will come and live with us. You'll save us from being two orphans? You were never an orphan. For the minute your father breathed his last billowing breath, when it left his lungs, 
the love for you entered mine, my lungs. My heart is in my lungs. Part of the reason I'm so motivated to do medical science is I've got some issues as well. But to the further point, Dr. Joseph, we will not be needing your services. If I hear you practicing medicine, I will call the police on you and you will spend the rest of your life in chains, shackles, and a guillotine. Come, children. Dr. Joseph, you are the one who should be in guillotine jail. I don't like you and I'm a cute little kid. Okay, children, no more quips or aphorisms because I've tried to say let's go. I so. know, we just wanted to get a word in about this guy because he's not a likable fellow. I think the point has been made. You're so lovable. Maybe chalk I... it up to the grieving process because our daddy just died and we've only just found out. Of course, of course. Okay, let's go. Good day. Thank heavens the children will be tended to with gentle hands. I have gentle hands. Why, just the other day, Pandolfo was remarking during a back rub that they felt like the downy feathers of a turtle dove's nethers. You know what I mean. Anyway, that evening back at the modest home of Heathcliff and Catherine, Chapter 4, A Violet Crumble. And he said, 10 cc's? I thought you said Tennessee. <laughs> Kathy, you've told another joke that I've enjoyed and shown you by laughing at it. <laughs> there seems to be a knocking come hither on our door, but they're knocking on the lower half, so I can't hear it. I just see it. It's just the sound of knuckles against cardboard. Hello? Man in the house, please. That would be me. My name is Heathcliff. I've got a piece of parcel for you. A part of post. A letter. How big a parcel piece? Pie-sized. <laughs> That'll do nicely. Here you go. Thank you very much. <coughs> oh, I... I suppose you're expecting some sort of tip. No, I had a chicken and the bone is stuck laterally in me throat and it's widening it out, so actually I'm breathing a lot better. Okay, goodbye forever. You got a tip? Can't hear you. Cardboard's closed. Heathcliff, what is it? Kathy, it's that letter we've been waiting for from the landlord. Finally, we're going to find out if our door will be fixed and we yes. won't catch our deaths of cold. Let's see what Mr. Earnshaw has to say. I have a feeling he's going to fix the door and everything will be all right. Ah, here we go. I'll open it and begin reading it silently and you're welcome to join me over my shoulder. My dearest Mr. Heathcliff, it is I, your landlord, Mr. Earnshaw. Do you remember me? I know you can't answer, as this is a letter, so I'll just get right to the point. You may have a feeling that your lives are going to turn around because I'm going to agree to fix your Dutch door. And that feeling is correct. Congratulations. Well, all our problems are solved. There's more. Probably just a reiteration of how great things are going to be. Maybe a joke is written in there. <laughs> Who knows? Now, where was I? Oh, yes. You may have noticed at our last meeting that I took quite a shining to your beautiful, gorgeous wife. Me? Yes, you, Catherine. Your figure, your face, your very hair are something that reminds me of a childhood love that I had, and I've never recaptured it until just last Tuesday. And now it is my only wish to recapture that blissful love that I once shared. And so I'd like the love of your wife for one night only. What an indecent proposal. I say, what he's proposing? Well, you've said it, it's indecent. However, why ever, wherever could this take place? P.S. If you're wondering where, why, when... And how? That too. Might I suggest something? There's an old ramshackle orgy hut, otherwise known as Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights? Oh, yes. 
It used to be called The Heights till it started all that wuthering. I've only seen pictures of it in French postcards. Have you seen it wuther in person? Oh, no, because it's not lenticular, this postcard. Good catch, love. Back to the book. It may seem like a book because it's going on for so long, but please let me get through this. This guy really knows his audience. It's like James Joyce if he has written or is a contemporary at this time. Let's say he is. Now, this place is not very fancy, but we won't be needing that. It's because we'll be enveloped in passion. Meet me there at Wuthering Heights just after sundown. And there, our passions will know no bounds, and you may consider your door repaired. He, oh, there's a postscript. Postscript. Give my love to those weird kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heathcliff. What are we to do? Following logical reason, I know that if I don't go to the Wuthering Heights orgy shack, then we'll never have our door fixed, and these children won't survive another fortnight without them. And Kathy, as much as I want the children to live, the thought of you having to wuther that creepy old landlord, it, it's too much for me to bear. To fix one Dutch door only to ruin another. I could probably fix the door myself, but I don't know the first thing about hinges or knobs. I do, and it isn't a woman's place. Well, I guess you'll have to fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, of course. There's no other way. Oh, what an accursed time in which to live, where landlords can exact sex from tenants' wives, <laughs> and women aren't allowed to know how to fix doors or be doctors. Heathcliff, tell me that though we go through with this, when I return a changed woman, you won't see me as soiled or ruined or thrown away or cast aside or half used or just a pile of it. You are my love, and you shall remain so, no matter what happens. Within reason, there's some things. We should set some ground rules about this. Missionary only. Yes, that goes without saying. If he asks for anything more than that, you have to tell him you have pustules. Let me just say goodbye to the children. And tell them goodbye for me, because to look at their poor faces, I fear would push me over the edge of the second part of my name. Thank you for taking on no part of the burden in this. I really appreciate it. Oh, that. it's a man's, 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 man's world. True. Lockwood, come in here. Leave your sister behind for just a spell. You called me mummy? Mummy. That's the first time you've called me that. I know. I was just testing it out. I'm going to go away for a while tonight. But where? Where shall you go? Where I'm going is not important, but what I will be doing is, and I want to tell you in detail. I'm listening. You, of course, have met the landlord, Mr. Earnshaw. Yes, he seemed like a delightful man. Not so. He's a randy old horse. And he will only have a certain type of hay. And that hay is my nene. If only I can help, Mummy, please. But help is what this is all about, you see. For suffering one night's ill fortune, I will come back and we will have a warm place, free of drafts. And you will be able to roll around wearing less than a stocking, what you've always wanted, free to do your artist's expression. And your sister will have no fear of catching a death of cold. And I do this for you. When? Tonight, at sundown. Well, shouldn't you get going? Okay, well. <laughs> Will you send your sister in, please? Nellie Dean. 
what is it? I was trying to fall asleep to the sound of my blood rushing and pooling in the bottom of my body. Oh, Nellie, dear, you're a gold tooth in the mouth of a madman. Why do you seem troubled, only mother I have ever had and can remember? Nellie, I'm troubled because I must leave you this night. What? No, mummy, no, you mustn't go away. I love you. We'll be back, and it will be for the betterment of all of us, sort of. You see, I'm going to have to partake in, well, what some people might call a Clydesdale gopher slop, or a Guernsey carriage doodle, or a stocking-hosed man slice, or a waterbed slowdown, or a, a mustache bramble push. My whole valley's going to be fertile with the waters of male crime. I, that one's not so much a metaphor, but pretty much on the nose. Will you bring me back a violet crumble? Of course I will. I'll also be having to partake in a violet crumble as well. Mummy, what you do on your own time is your business. I like to think that we have a very modern relationship of mother-daughter. And so you do your thing and I do mine and that's all cool, man. <laughs> you are so wise beyond your years. I'm just being me. <laughs> now, you go tuck yourself in to the bathing bed and when you wake up, I will be home. A little worse for the wear, you see, but better for us all. And then we shall heal you and our family will be good again. When you come in, will you kiss me goodnight, but be take care not to upset the jar that has my loose fingernails? Of course I will, and if my lips seem a little chapped and chalky, it's only because they've been put to good use. I love you, Mummy. I love you, Nellie Dean. Goodbye. Nellie Dean, out. <laughs> I'll just grab my ratskin shawl, place it over my shoulders, my newspaper muff, and my cast-iron sh walking shoes. Goodbye, home. You look one way to me now. When I return, you will be warmer, yet colder in a way. Kathy, he'd live. Oh, Kathy. Will you bring back some crisps? For fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, what a dark turn this story taken has. A ragged old orgy house atop a hill. It has scalloped eaves that run along the rooftops. There's a gargoyle knocker on the door that gives you such a startle. I mean, if it were real, and I'd ever been there. Last Saturday. Chapter 5. A Strapping Suit. Right this way, milady. I'm Zilla. I'll be taking care of you this evening. Welcome to Wuthering Heights. I never imagined in my wildest dreams you'd be so cordial. Please, sit down. We've got to get you measured. Oh. Now, try this on. It's a strapping suit. I say, such fine linens. If you'll allow me, I'll just buckle the back. I can barely breathe. The whaleboning has taken my last gasp. Just how Mr. Earnshaw likes it. Oh, the foreboding. Zilla. Yes? Do all women that come through here feel the way I do? Most of them don't feel for long. What? Did I say something? Yeah, you made a definite insinuation that I was going to die. Please, the mask. Sorry. Zilla. Yes? Zilla, is my 7.30 here? <laughs> <laughs> she is 
and she's exquisite. Be sure into the special parlor. We're not finished with the fitting. Oh, by all means, allow me to watch. Mr. Earnshaw, though physically I am yours tonight, mentally I can never be had. That's fine, I'll take one of the two, and that's the better one of the two. Now, please, cinch that up a little bit more. Ooh, yes, I like that. Milady, if you'd lay on this cart, I can wheel you into the chamber. Certainly. Though I go to a harrowing end, I go poised and like a lady, a modern lady, that knows better than you. We shall see about that. Your morals that you say are so high and mighty are no different from mine own. They're very different. All right. Burned. (laughs) That was in my face, and I'm taking it like a man, and you're going to take it like a woman. Have you ever really been made love to? I doubt that husband of yours knows what he's doing in the boudoir. How dare you? It's one thing to insult my caverns, but you're not going to insult my husband. Look, do you want your door fixed or not? Of course I do. Then I suggest you get out of those ridiculous clothes. But you... never mind. Please remove them and hang on to these straps. And now, my dear, we shall consummate. One last request before you just bile drive me into my grave. Yes, what is it? May I write a harmless goodbye letter to my beloved Heathcliff, Lockwood, and dear little Nellie Dean? Is it something you feel you must do? I think I made that clear. All right, I'll allow it. But I'm going to be doing you whilst you write. A deal's a deal. Can you hand me that quill? Well, that's not a quill. The other one. Finally, a feel-good chapter. Now let's see how the story concludes. Chapter 6, A Wuthering Depth. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Oh, to know what Kathy was going through in the clutches of that hideous creature who is my better, of course, being a landlord. How can I tell the children? How can I look them in the face knowing that their dear adopted mama is really going at it with a big old creep? Shall I cycle to those wuthering heights and drop myself into the ocean, probably hitting a bunch of rocks when I get to the bottom. All for the better, all for the better, so as not to imagine what my dear sweet Kathy is going through with the hands of this guy I do not like. Children, silence your weeping and sicknesses for one moment. There's someone at the door. Yes, Father. Yes, Daddy. <coughs> Heathcliff, open your door. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, forgive me, Mr. Earnshaw. Hello. I trust our bargain is complete. Uh, well, not quite. Miss Earnshaw, where is Kathy, my wife? And, oh, and by the way, mother to these small, unfortunate children. I was afraid you were going to ask about her. Well, why wouldn't I? That's question number one. I don't know. It's just wishful thinking on my part that you would have forgotten about the whole thing. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> I say, that is rather wishful thinking that I would forget that we'd struck a bargain whereby you would have sex with my wife in order to fix this Dutch door. You know, they always call me eternally optimistic. I'll thank you to save that for an embroidery and just complete our bargain. Will do, and I'll make sure to keep an eagle eye on her this time, to make sure there are no misprints. Remember, we have I care less about the embroidery than about getting our bargain completed. Oh, then I am confused. Well, to your wife, Catherine. But I'm afraid there is a bit of a snag in the proceedings. What? Tell me more! A. She's not living anymore. Maybe that should have been B. Because I feel as though you're not listening anymore. That the A really sort of took your mind away from me. In all candor, sir, I will admit, as a gentleman, 
I'm rather less interested in what B is now that I've heard A. B. She never had sex with me, as our agreement clearly stated. And therefore, I'm very sorry, but I cannot, in good conscience, fix your Dutch door. You are a cold, unfeeling scoundrel. But a bargain is a bargain. I can only take solace in the fact that Kathy was never entered by such a disgusting pigman as you seem to be, sir. And yes, I do say it. I feel as if you are two to three pigs standing upon one another's porcine shoulders and wearing a man's cloak. I can't say that I've never heard that before. Phrased exactly like that? Everyone sang it around the tavern. Sir, was there no final word from my wife? Oh, right. <laughs> I almost forgot. Here's an inconsequential letter that she asked me to give to you. I have no idea of its contents. But here you are. Read it at your leisure. I'll read it now and I'll thank you not to darken my doorstep any further. Or should I say, my one half faux Dutch doorstep. Do I stay for the reading? No, don't stay for the reading. You've done quite enough. Well, that was rather rude, but all right. And remember, rent's due in 15 days. Don't be late. No grace period. Oh, my Kathy. Why? Why must we live in such a world? Am I happier that you were taken from me without having to be touched by that creature? Or am I happier that... No, there's no way I'm happy. No, I guess, I guess it's just the one part. I'm, I'm glad if you must die that you were not befiled and desoiled by such a monster as that land so-called Lord, although I would call him a land devil. And now to read these, the final words of my beloved. My dearest Heathcliff. Oh, that's me. Forgive my shaky penmanship if it seems to jut north and south like a seismograph. Well, that's only because of my circumstances. By the time you read this, I will have been dead. She knew? Oh, my love, how did you know that your death was imminent? Why? Why wasn't I there? Well, if you'll let a dying woman continue. Oh, she prefigured my bellowing lament. And that I trust not this abominable Mr. Earnshaw. And though I take his thrusting piston as I ride, I'll have you know he fully intends to welch on our deal. But fear not, my love, for included in this missive is the instructions for all you need, all you need saving my love. But even that can heal over. Point one, fixing the Dutch door. But how... It's forbidden. I'll oh. tell you how, goddammit. Society be damned. She's telling me how to fix the deuce of Dutch door. I'm literally running out of ink, and I'm not even sure it's ink. I've taken it upon myself to learn a bit about engineering, and what serves as a table for our dining room feasts is not as necessary as a door to protect us from the elements. For what is a door but nothing more than four legs on the floor? That's a riddle, and I've already told you the answer. You see, it's that simple. Oh, my darling, this is clearly a first draft. <laughs> Take the top of the table, turn it up, and fasten it to the hinges. Shall I? Affix hinges? Now you're getting it. And have a working lower half of a door? But it works, and no pieces left over. My darling, in death you have given me life. A life I no longer wish to lead without you in it. Children! Children! 
come into what counts as our home. Yes, new father, what is it? What is it, new father, also only father? I have ever known for my affection for you is so great I do not remember my previous father. Is there someone you'd like me to mentor? No, no, and I'm... Children, I'm sorry to say that your beloved mummy, she's dead. Your mother died in a very peculiar and disgusting way that I, I feel that your ears are yet too tender to understand or to bear witness to. Let's just say she had fatal coitus with a ghastly, disgusting man whose penis might as well have been a loaded gun. <laughs> I'm only little, but I think I get the gist. Children, well, I'm afraid you won't be seeing me ever again. Where are you going, Father? To heaven, I hope. Probably hell. Because suicide is a sin against God. Well, you better get going. Don't let the newly repaired door hit you in the arse on the way out. <laughs> Children, come with me. Come with me to my place of death, that you may know where to visit myself and your mother in the future. I want you gathered round us as you watch the life drain out of my body. Deal. It's a date. And so I took them to that place. Beside Wuthering Heights, I took the sharpest, most polished stone I could find, a tribute to the late Mr. Linton, and slit just everything I had through which blood flowed. I didn't need to do the webbing between my toes, probably. That hurt like something else. And the blood drained from my body, and my story was concluded. But the children's story was just beginning. I lingered round them, under that benign sky, watched the moths fluttering among the heath and harebells, listened to the soft wind breathing through the grass, and wondered how anyone could ever imagine unquiet slumbers for the sleepers in that quiet earth. Nilly Dean out. <laughs> Well, I think you'll find that's very much how the novel plays out. Most impressive. They even got the orgy hut in there. You know, you couldn't tear Bronte away from that place. She was first there, last to leave. Had a natural bearskin rug, that girl. Bushy Bronte reads the plaque on the wall. I mean, if the place existed. And I'd ever been there. Last Saturday. Super Ego Forgotten Classics. Produced by Matt Gorley and James Bladen with Mark McConville. Directed by Matt Gorley. Edited by James Bladen with Matt Gorley. Improvised and performed by Paul F. Tompkins as Heathcliff and Nellie Dean. Matt Gorley as Catherine and The Messenger. Mark McConville as Edgar Linton, Dr. Joseph Mellencamp, and Zilla. James Bladen as Lockwood and Landlord Earnshaw. And me, Jeremy Carter, as Jeremy Carter, the narrator. If you liked what you heard here today, make sure to download the regular Super Ego podcast, available wherever free podcasts are available.